0: Wait, did you hear? (gasps) No. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This This is Uncover Girl. oh my god i know you have a wedding you have new york fashion week but also les miserables oh my god and tiff
1: and tiff yeah toronto international film festival it's a it's a big weekend for me
0: yeah huge a lot of travel a lot here we are again tra- yeah i back, know back to the skies we back go. In, I
1: know. no i go toronto for tiff uh new york for a story and then san francisco to meet my parents Which, not to dive straight into it, but truly is my inspiration, I think. Or one of them. Oh, I, I can't wait. I cannot wait to meet them. My parents have never visited me. I've now lived overseas for seven years. And they've never come that entire time. It's a long time. I met them once in Hawaii, actually. That's not true. When I was 24, I met them in Hawaii. But since then, I mean, they've never landed stateside in the traditional sense of in the the main island. Yeah. And yeah, I just I just have no idea what to think.
0: I just I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. I mean I feel like you've set everyone up for success. You've your itinerary is impeccable. And I say that as someone that really admires an itinerary.
1: I recently updated the itinerary with every single address, with every Airbnb link for them to peruse at their leisure. Honestly, that's another inspiration for me. That is probably the key inspiration is not only did I do that, but I also did one for myself, which I have never done in my life, Ivana. What do you you mean?
0: I would love to see because an itinerary for me, and I've told this to many friends, having an itinerary sets you free. It totally sets you free. It sets you free because then... It's not, oh, wait, where tonight? Or I'm forgetting, in two days. And what time do we need to be? You have it all. It's all there. You it's can just enjoy. In the
1: notes app. Like, I know some people use spreadsheets and stuff. I find the notes app the most easy, convenient. But I have got my flights with my flight Confirmation information. Confirmation Oh. So I do not have to look it up?
0: Amazing. I have
1: everything scheduled oh, for I the entire Oh, I see. I'm seeing 6:30
0: p.m. That's how you know when you get the 30s involved. Oh yeah. 5:30 this, 7:30, 10:15 yeah. <laughs> glam. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that's my entire next
0: week and I've really laid it
1: all out because I just was like I don't want to no. get to 2 hours before the flight. And be in panic stations. I've just outgrown that era of my life. I just can't do it anymore. I used to travel all around the world for for stories and show up like hungover, dragging a suitcase, onto the airplane, get off and be like, oh my God, we've got like one hour to sleep and then we need to be down for welcome drinks. Like I just would really never set myself up for success. And yeah. now I'm like, I just know I I'm at the age, I'm at the stage where there's no excuses. I have to be ready. I mean, I, I have packing cubes. That's a huge new leaf. Yeah. Clothes are compressed.
0: Oh, my God. But you uh off and away. Off and away to another wedding. I know. I'm excited for this one. This will be like a full reunion of college friends. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's also my birthday. I'm it sitting is. next to a fat stack of donuts here that Beatrice got for me and a pumpkin spice latte and flowers. So it's huge. It's huge. My inspiration is birthday related in that I am feeling very inspired by Virgo season and and the identity of a Virgo and the Virgos all around me. I went and I saw Beyonce, queen of all Virgos, days and the days before her birthday and I just feel like I, I'm having a real settling in to my identity in that way. You're exuding real back-to-school vibes, I would oh, say. I feel them. I feel them in such a big way. I'm just embracing all... all, Embracing everything. That's <laughs> everything. that's the motto. <laughs> well, I mean, I do have a bone to pick with this
1: wedding in that I really had your outfit all planned. I had you styled. I know. And unless you will not be wearing what I picked out for you, which is an
0: extravagant beaded dress floor length beaded <laughs> gorgeous dress but I will be wearing that to a wedding in October which is in an orange grove and in that way I feel like that like color story the like green and the orange grove I think that'll work great does that have a dress code? festive formal okay and that feels aligned festive formal oh yeah that's yeah. Very isn't that best. perfect? glittery and yeah.
1: it's floor length yep okay good okay yeah I'm happy with that yeah I think so I've told you that I once overdressed for a wedding, and I will never. Like, the the wedding theme was florals, and I had like a beaded long kind of turquoisey dress. Wait, the dress code was just florals. I think it was. I think it was florals. Yeah, there was no formal. It was like floral, like because it was a spring wedding. Yeah, and the bride, I'm sure, will be listening, and she has assured me on many occasions that I did it's not fine. overdo it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I. Walked up and I saw sundresses galore. The bride herself was wearing like a very beautiful kind of like boho 70s Fleetwood Mac type beautiful flowing dress. I was in red carpet wear let's just say that <laughs> a and gown a gown and it had like a low back and then a lace up halter neck front i walked in there and i i said to chris i've got a bad feeling like oh, i no. am entering with a bad feeling and then i got a lot of oh my god you look wow oh no and that's what i
0: knew you said
1: no no and i think there is a real helpable thing here well there's a real etiquette about like outshining the bride in any capacity Mm -hmm. and usually that's associated with color like you're like i stay away from eggshell and (laughs) of course baby pink but i'd never felt that with regards to anything else and in that moment i was like holy shit i've come to this like i'm going to the met gala and the vibe is
0: spring florals (sighs) that's hard though i mean because to be underdressed is horrifying
1: That is like a disrespect.
0: Overdressed feels like a slight. And I think that's the difference. It is. But it's also one that's often accidental. It's a fine line to toe. It's a fine line. And it's also because I think,
1: well, me personally, I seize it as such an opportunity to dress up. Like I love to dress up. To go full gala gown attire is one of my greatest joys of life so yeah to lean in is such an exciting opportunity for me and i really did feel good until i arrived and that's when i realized i'd gravely misjudged
0: uh, the vibe the interpretation of floral yeah Yeah.
1: yep 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 it was a uh a beaded flower pattern but it was not a laura ashley Mm -hmm. a linen yes yeah yes so i got
0: it wrong that's okay I have gone with a simple black dress mm-hmm. which I I'll show you a picture of um as we after we wrap this up. That's another thing. I thought
1: that for a long time black was taboo at weddings. Yeah, cuz it was like funeral attire. Oh my god. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh my god. It is just
0: such a to do that I want to emulate the perfect guest. I sometimes. know. That's an Okay, I've gone for th- the black has kind of a a plunging neckline hot so it doesn't give funeral which would be my fear like i feel like a cap sleeve black dress so this is like a flea bag season two episode it is it actually really is it has a very similar like low back low like an open back and then kind of a low front it's giving elegant it's giving chic i'm gonna wear it with the strappy wedge okay and uh, maybe i'll do a colorful bag to just kind of give it a little something a little pop a little pop where did you get this dress i got it at (laughs) cost
1: oh yeah yeah you used to rent the runway a lot and that was insane you would show up in like a two thousand dollar oh my god and i would
0: be like where on earth are you pulling these from rent the runway but it turned out the thing is is it's so hard it really is a game they gamify it and your size is never available in the cool shit you have to either be an asshole which is like to get the dress you want two months earlier and then just keep renting it and then other people don't have the size they want because they were hoping like, okay, well, it's taken now, but the wedding that I'm going to is in a month, so I'm sure it'll become available. No, no, no. You have to hoard and then you have to like slam on the purchase button if you need something urgently. It's just like it's too much. It It is not reliable. That's the main thing about it. I got lucky because I planned far, far in advance. Mm-hmm. But overall, I wasn't so impressed i mean that's helpful to know because i like to own things no it's not it's perfect i think if you have one event and you can pick any dress for that one event i had three weddings within like two weeks and so i needed three dresses i needed them they were all different levels of formality okay this is the thing that chris says to me all the time like wh-
1: i have three weddings in the space of six weeks mm-hmm. chris is like we're the same thing
0: no i just I can't, can't, do, can't that. do that no i can't do that I can't do that. No. Not even in the
1: sense of taking photos and, and people knowing I'm rewearing. I wanna feel. Yes. It's someone's special day and I wanna be special within it.
0: I agree. You know? I don't wanna show up in the same drab old clothes I wore yesterday. Yeah. It's a special day. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and also, I do believe that there's something to dressing to the vibe, the venue, the whole thing. It's like, I don't care if they're similar, they're different. And they you should wear something different, I think.
1: I'm excited. I do have a black tie. Black mandated formal
0: wedding coming up. <sighs> and the dress you got for it is so beautiful. Oh, you were there. You I know. Were there. Of course. I've never
1: had a color theme before. I don't know if I've ever gone to a party that was a color theme. I've been dying to go to a white party
0: my whole life. I know. So, our sweet friend Dan Adler, his uh, Michael Rubin piece just got, just came no. out. No. Yes. Uh, Dan yes.
1: Adler, former guest of the show, friend of the show, I would say. Yeah. We covered his weekend profile. Then he came on to discuss it, as well as the Liz Fair Rolling Stone profile from 1994. You can go back and listen to it he talked about a piece coming out this big profile about michael rubin the guy who throws the white parties in the hamptons i guess he founded fanatics yeah the sports merchandising where and he's just friends with literally everybody in the industry i think he's a billionaire so like kim kardashian's there odell beckham jr's there all of the alex earls of the world Mm -hmm. like they're all they all descend upon the hamptons for the fourth of july yeah. And Dan was like,
0: I'm working on this feature. Such a good idea. I have no idea who this guy is. How did he do this? Why, why? What? Have you read? No, I started. And then I had to come here, actually. I've been driving for hours this morning. Do you know I've been up since 7 a.m. in the car? No. <laughs> I had to take um, a friend to the mechanic to pick up her car. And this was like the only time it would work. So we drove down to past SoFi Stadium where <gasps> I saw Beyonce at like 7 a.m. so we could pick the car up at 8 and then make it back in time. Could she not have a bed? no because um <laughs> no <laughs> nope the, like sans for the hourglass I know so are the days if of I'm asked to do something I'll do it I know I really have to put my foot down with you with LAX in the sense of like stop I see what you're saying now and I twice I've done it I've said why don't I buy your Uber instead. And frankly, it's saving you three hour round trip. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did. And I was so much more pleasant when they arrived as a result. It's like, I don't want to be a hurried mother in a minivan. Like, oh, c- come in. There's bananas in the back. Like, I don't. That's not the vibe I'm trying to bring to friendship. Anytime I've been picked up from LAX, it's like a heist situation. Yeah, it's like, throw the, throw the bags in the car. G7. I'm at G7. I'm at G7. Run, run. I know. No time to hug. I know. Like a police officer like pointing a gun at the front <laughs> yes. seat. It's so yeah. stressful.
1: The, the person driving has a Bella on for no reason. I know. Like it's the most like high pressure, high intensity situation you'll encounter as like an adult yeah. in a first world country. No, it's real.
0: <laughs> of course, yeah. Let's give it some perspective. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's just bad for us. Yeah, it's intense. It's intense.
1: Yeah, my god. Our inspirations are they're events, and we love to eventize pretty much everything in our lives. I know. I'm trying to go with the flow a little bit more. I used to put so much, I think I've spoken about this in the past, I used to put so much emphasis and pressure on things coming up. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm going to a Broadway musical tomorrow. The next day I take a flight at 4 a.m. The next day I'm flying to New York And
0: that's just what it is. That's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way about birthdays. We've talked about our many years of crying on birthdays. And I feel very much that I'm bringing tomorrow, starting at midnight tonight. I have no expectations. I'm just here to have fun. I'm going to be on a plane on my birthday. That feels like already it's like, yeah, let yourself be humbled by the world.
1: Did you cry last year?
0: Yes, I did. But happy tears because I got engaged oh yes
1: yes yes yeah. that was a
0: big one yeah that was a big huge one. huge birthday huge yeah. birthday for me best birthday best day of my life
1: <laughs> so i cried last year because i didn't get the horse ride that i'd been anticipating no. chris- oh right <laughs> chris left it too late to organize it we were in france which i acknowledge is incredible already but we we're in very rural provence it was a sunday which meant nothing was open and between the two of us i spoke the better french and between the two of us only i could drive a stick so i was driving out renault Mm. all through the french mountains and speaking all the french and frankly i was exhausted and of course chris was the passenger princess contributing not a whole lot when we stumbled into the only open restaurant in town and sat down to an admittedly mediocre dinner I shed a tear, I will admit. Of
0: course. There's nothing like sitting down on your birthday to a mediocre dinner. There's no reservation. We just rolled up to the only open no, restaurant. No, I have eaten at Subway on my birthday, like, as dinner. Gone to a Subway, fast chain And to it's order. like, that's,
1: fi- that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. just so... I know. And I think it was... It was- Just a lot of, I mean, when I found out we couldn't do the horse track, it was a Sunday, everything was closed. Then we Uh. pivoted and then we drove to this tiny hilltop town. They drove up a too tight street. French people were like, "Arrête!" Like, no, 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 back, 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 back. No, and I to reverse, no, no, re- reverse a manual car oh my down God. a tight so Have you ever James reversed- Bond? James yeah. oh, Bond level. It- also, it's very hard to put a Renault in reverse. If anyone knows, you have to like lift the foreskin and then like shimmy it into place. It's like oh Tetris, <laughs> literal Rubik's cube. And then I- it was hill starts galore. No. I- was hand on the handbrake. I was oh. balancing the clutch and the accelerator. Stop. Chris is like... You're like,
0: shut. <laughs> I- <laughs> yeah. I'm I gonna. Like, Only one of us knows how to drive here. You better keep the fuck mouth shut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so to say it was a... It was a low point on the trip, as fair. However, the next day was Chris's 30th birthday. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly on the pod. Our birthdays are a day apart. Mm. The 30th and 31st of October. Yes, that is Halloween weekend
0: before you ask. Incredible.
1: And we woke up the next day on Chris's birthday... We went to Barcelona. We got to Barcelona. They sent him a cake and champagne day at the hotel. We go out to a beautiful steak dinner that, of course, I had planned months in advance. It's free champagne. It's free dessert for his birthday. And we stroll through the streets of Barcelona happy as Larry. And frankly, he had a beautiful day. Amazing.
0: (laughs) The weight of womanhood. Heavy, heavy upon your shoulders. (laughs)
1: Well, this is so funny because I think on the previous episode I always I said always the bridesmaid, yeah. <laughs> never the bride on my birthday, and that is because when it hits midnight, it's like see ya, yeah, not you anymore, baby. Oh, you, what was your name? <laughs> <laughs> not no more, no more. The birthday girl has arrived. Yeah, that's Chris. Her name's Chris. <sighs> oh, oh my god! But I couldn't be happier to be discussing. Possibly like the birthday girl of Hollywood.
0: I mean, this is A-list of A-list, a total hunk. I know. And I can't tell you how excited I am to be back in 2018, a year where no one knew what was coming, a year where innocence run amok, a year where A Star Is Born came out, most importantly. Yeah, it's a weird time. Like Media was on the decline,
1: but not in full collapse mode. Mm -hmm. I remember, I think that's the year you and I met. And you advised me to move to L.A. much like you were. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, We'd yeah. We both quit our
0: jobs. Big year. Personally, I didn't even think about that. I know. I was just thinking about A Star is Born, which I listened to the soundtrack on my way here to kind of amp me up because, mm-hmm. of course, we are today getting into Bradley Cooper. And this profile is honestly one of my favorites. It's New York Times and it's Taffy Brodesser-Ackner, who's like one of my favorite writers. And... Um, The headline, let me tease kind of the vibe of the profile with the headline alone, which is Bradley Cooper is not really into this profile. In A Star is Born, his directorial debut, Mr. Cooper wrangles with the celebrity industrial complex. So you can imagine how this interview went.
1: (laughs) Okay, so after reading this, I want to say I find this headline unfair.
0: Yeah, it's definitely for Twitter. It is. This headline was like, Click this, Yeah, click this for sure, because there is some tension we're going to tease here immediately. I don't think he deserved this with the way that he navigated this interview. I don't know how I think. I agree. I think headlines are tough because so much of it is to grab people immediately. I can imagine that being in this situation would be so frustrating in our position. I think it's a little different for Taffy because Taffy is so established and her... Her bread and butter is profiling AAA plus listers. That's like what she does. That's what she does best. She writes profiles. And at this point in her career, which is also branched out past journalism, if you saw Fleischman is in trouble, that was her book turned TV show that she show ran and co-wrote. And she wrote every single episode except
1: one, which she co-wrote alone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's my pretty God. impressive. Oh, it is. And she works very hard. I've seen her speak. She is just like a powerhouse in journalism and used to be a contributor at GQ. Now is a contributor at the New York times and her profiles have won awards and generally gone viral every single time she writes one. She pretty much profiles all the biggest people in Hollywood. So Bradley Cooper, especially in this moment of a star is born, which was such a big pop culture moment. Did you watch and you love? Oh my God. I saw it with my ex-boyfriend, which
1: I shouldn't have done, should not have done. We'd already broken up. It was oh. a, yeah, a reconciliation <laughs> You just kept the, date. kept the movie ticket? Oh, not a good idea. Really opened myself up for a whole lot more trouble after oh, that. Oh God, oh God. So it really stays in the memory of that course. way. Of
0: course, of course. Also well, because it's a portrait of an incredibly toxic relationship. I've seen the originals as well because it's a remake, a triple remake. And everyone told Bradley Cooper, like, I don't think it makes sense to do it again. <laughs> like, yeah,
1: so I'd never seen the originals, but the very first one was what, in the 20s, the 30s? 30s, I think. Very, very early on, like the dawn
0: of talkies cinema. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a tale as old as time. And Bradley put an interesting spin on it where the story, as it was originally done when it was Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand, when it was Judy Garland, basically a man plucks a young ingenue from obscurity and then she supersedes him in fame and fortune and then he gets jealous and it has a tragic end, obviously. Spoilers. Uh, but this one, it wasn't necessarily that he was jealous. He he thought it was more interesting to make it sort of about how the the world of fame and fortune can consume you, consume you, like and eat you alive. Yeah, and eat the art artist in the artistry, and um, how it's like almost a loss of respect rather than a jealousy for the fame that comes. And um, the whole process of making this movie was very intense. He. Became a professional musician basically in order to do this, and it was a four-year process where he had the material and he was like, "I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this," and his directorial debut. Yeah, well. yeah, and it was like clearly so special to him. He took guitar lessons. He took voice. He took piano. Him and Lady Gaga wrote, like, co-wrote and produced almost all the songs on the soundtrack. So he just, like, became a musician for this movie, basically, as well as a director, as this was his debut. And it was universally beloved. He was, like, very worried because people were like, if it's a flop, that's really going to suck for you. Yeah, yeah. Because Hollywood Uh, took such a chance on him with this. Especially the actor
1: to director pipeline. Mm, Can be rough. Can be really rough. Yeah. And it's interesting because we're seeing him do it again now with Maestra.
0: Yes, which I is know. also,
1: I think a four or five year process and it's a film in which he becomes a famous conductor. And yeah. Leonard Leonard yeah, yeah, yeah. Scene, yeah. Right? Leonard Bernstein Yeah, a good scene. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And from the reviews I'm seeing, he's done well. Has he? Yeah. Or Carrie Mulligan, I think, is a standout. I've been seeing that in the reviews. Which she kills it every time. God, I love her. But let's let's back up a little bit. Let me give you kind of where Bradley Cooper's from. Okay. Um he's a Philly boy. He is he You know, Eagles Eagles fan, Mm -hmm. um, Italian Irish. He went to acting school and sort of had like a pretty traditional track in that way where he saw the elephant man growing up and he was like, I'm going to be an actor. And then did do that. Went to school, found a mentor who was like his acting coach who like steered him in the right direction. And uh, while he was studying in New York, fun fact, he was a doorman at the Morgans Hotel. His kind of breakout was Wet Hot American Summer in 2001, which wasn't really a breakout. Like, it's not like he became a household name after that. That was just like the first prominent movie that he's in. And it's now sort of a cult favorite. But his true breakout was The Hangover in 2009, the thing that launched him into every home in America because those movies were... So big, no one had ever seen a blockbuster comedy. So good, so raunchy, so fun. He was also so good at playing the bro. Yeah. And
1: Wedding Crashes, yep. I think, really like showed off his comedic chops, but then... It sounds like he was cast consistently as that same, like, douchebaggy Chad Asshole. character. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: He's like that, and um, he's just not that into you, too. That's right. Yeah. That's Scarlett like Scarlett Johansson. I know. Hot. Blonde Scarlett Johansson, Bradley Cooper cheating on his wife with her. That was a hard one, because Yeah. what are you supposed to do?
1: What With Scarlett Johansson I mean, is your yoga teacher? You're as asking as... for trouble. Yeah. No. Hot women. You think you're going to stay with Demi Moore? oh it was, it was jennifer connelly <laughs> <laughs> but sorry. they look so, so sim- they I'm really so really sorry. so
0: similar uh that movie i don't know why i've watched that movie a bunch and i came away with it, from it rooting for scott i just no so- i did too i know i did too i was like she's not even letting you smoke cigarettes god damn god damn, these <laughs> old heads. Yeah, neg, neg, neg. <laughs> just be hot and cool and have huge tits and teach yoga <laughs> is that too much to ask wouldn't you go for that Meanwhile, she's decorating their entire house, like leading the construction. Handling everything, doing everything. He's just going to yoga. (laughs) A woman's weight. A woman. No, the weight of the world on a woman's shoulder. That's a woman's weight. (laughs) I'm like, and she was super fat. Oh, my God. No, no, no. But then his critical acclaim came with Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle, which are both David O. Russell movies. And then everyone was like, Bradley Cooper is not just a little hot dick. He is also good at acting and he can be funny and he's cool. I was just going to say, what have you heard about David O. Russell's process? I mean, I think it's intense. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's the most
1: now notorious in Hollywood of him being pretty rough like absolutely screaming going off at talent and that is the way that he works and i think he recasts the same people so often because they can handle it Mm -hmm. like american hustle was with amy adams amy adams and, and jennifer lawrence and jennifer lawrence again but amy adams apparently like that broke i'm
0: good No, Mm -hmm. poor mentor and a tyrant i hear on set allegedly it's so funny that people are still like that because then you have like steven spielberg who's like famously the nicest man around town and he like only works with kids and everyone talks about how his sets like as far back as like the goonies everyone was like he was an angel to us like most fun man in the world like sweet sweet sweetheart he's like drew barrymore's father that's (laughs) so sweet So yeah, so after this, it's it's become clear that Bradley Cooper is is going to stay in the A list. And then 2018 he's dating Irina Shayk and who's a model, stunning model. They are no longer together, RIP. I did have a very memorable hair appointment at a random like strip lawn salon in um Canada around this time and there was like press happening on the TV in the salon and it was a Star is Born press and the woman cutting my hair was like those two are in love talking about lady gaga and bradley cooper and he was like she's broken up a marriage that's a whore that broke up a marriage and i was like okay one we like this is like we know the press tour game and we don't say
1: whore we don't say
0: whore while you're cutting my hair like this is so it was so funny it was like such a small town experience that i had um but that press tour which he's on right now for this profile that's kind of where we catch him was so iconic Him and Lady Gaga turned it up for the cameras. And I mean, it's clear that they were actually very close because as we sort of laid out, they did this thing together. I think the rumor is that they had an affair. I mean, they did. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. I feel like, I mean, the chemistry is definitely there. I think they kept it pretty tight which yeah. is makes sense really
1: commendable for them because yeah what what a film to come away from but they did a lot of chemistry work from the sounds of it
0: oh my god and they the way that he discovered her do you know how it sort of happened that lady gaga became Allie in this is that he was at a cancer benefit and she sang LeVian rose and he was like she is everything that is who needs to be in the movie and then he took a meeting and they like sat around a piano together and like looked up sheet music and sang and
1: recorded a song yeah over like pasta
0: yeah because they're
1: both italian-american of course (laughs) the romance very lady in the trap I think the funniest thing, and I didn't know this, was that Ellie was supposed
0: to be played by Beyonce. I know. I learned in
1: this profile. Yeah.
0: And then she got pregnant and then it didn't work out. And that, I mean, that would have been a different movie. She would have killed it, obviously. Like she does everything. I would have loved to have seen that, I must admit. Oh, I know. I mean, have you seen, like Dreamgirls, like anytime Beyonce is ever a a singer in a movie, it brings me to my niece. And she always is. And thank God for that. That being said, I feel like, honestly, 2018 was the year of A Star is Born. There were some other notable moments, but I really feel like this was one of the biggest things that happened in pop culture. Beyoncé also made Coachella history that year, headlining, Time's Up at the Golden Globes. But I think that for me, it was a year of A Star is Born. Steven, my Beyoncé, saw it in theaters like five times. Really? Yes. And Steven doesn't like much. No, it takes a lot to really wow. I mean, he was wowed. So let's get into the profile. Bradley Cooper is not not happy to be on the press tour for A Star is Born, the movie he specifically, exactingly, meticulously, perfectionistically, obsessively directed, co-wrote, and stars in. In fact, he's very not not happy. He worked so hard on this movie. Every detail of it comes from a true thing, something he's learned, something he's seen, something he knows for sure. It's such hard work to try for something true and to get it right. And maybe he's succeeded. So, we know from the get-go that (laughs) this is going to be a little different. It's not, uh, we are getting chummy at the Beverly Hills Hotel suite. No, it's, uh, yeah, you can tell from the get-go, A,
1: it's going to be voicey. Yeah, it's going to be taffy. But there's nothing about his, like, tussled locks and piercing blue eyes from the outset She is humanizing him straight out the gate.
0: Yeah. And you'll find that this comes out again and again in this profile. But I guess to kind of explain the vibe, it's that Bradley Cooper does not really want to be doing the press. He would really prefer the movie to speak for itself. He is not really interested in getting into the nitty gritty of his life. And he's clearly on this press tour because that's what you do when you have a big movie come out is you go on a press tour and you talk about, you know, how him and Lady Gaga made all the songs and it was electric to work together. And maybe that's why the press tour felt like such a
1: performance. It, because totally. it was just an extension of the movie. He wanted like nothing to do with it as Bradley Cooper. He wanted to be Jackson Maine. Jackson Maine. Yeah,
0: totally. And Jackson Maine, as Taffy describes, is an earnest, rootsy, behatted rock star whose wary, substance-compromised heart can't bear to see the star-making machinery overtake a sincere, poetic message. No, I think he's headlining stagecoach next year. Jackson (laughs) Maine. (laughs) Jackson Maine! He is that type of guy. Of course. He is sort of like leathery in the movie and always wearing kind of rustic clothing. He's smashing pills with his boot heel. It's very, it feels authentic. And he waited for that authenticity because he's had his little hands on this project for a while. But when it was first brought to him or when he first thought about it, he was like, I think I'm too young. Like, I don't think anyone's going to believe I'm a bedraggled rock star right now. He was, what, 36? Yeah, 36.
1: And now he is, I want to look, because if he's 48.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: So... Was... oh of course when he took it on he would have been younger oh my yeah, god I'm yeah, such yeah. a silly goose no ghost. no no of course I'm such a silly, silly goose no okay
0: don't so you worry. it's 48 okay interesting she gives like a a very funny breakdown of the trailer which broke the internet for lack of a better term people lost their damn minds well, when the was, trailer came out it was out. Gaga in her first film role yeah which is what we're about to see I feel like with Kim Kardashian I feel mm-hmm. like everyone's talking about the American Horror Story trailer because that same thing everyone is like oh <gasps> And the trailer, as it premiered, which like, let's let's take us back for a moment. Two and a half minutes of such electricity that it immediately became the subject of actual think pieces and social media obsession, and maybe a meme or twelve. If you haven't watched it, let me see if I can conjure some of it from memory. Sultry, long-haired, slightly unwashed Bradley Cooper singing into a mic. Maybe it's hard to let the old ways die. Then walking off the festival stage in his big brown hat and into a car and drinking more lyrics. Takes a lot to change a man. Hell, it takes a lot to try. Then tinnitus tones come in like an alarm. Shirtless hearing test. Dave Chappelle. Nightclub. More shirtless hearing test. More Dave Chappelle. Walking into what may be a recovery meeting. Following Allie on stage. A conversation about songwriting. She doesn't sing her own song. She thinks she's ugly. He thinks she's beautiful. (laughs) You know, motorcycle, private jet, tears, Sam Elliott, hands and face, crescendo. I'm off the deep end. Watch as I dive in. You know. (laughs) punch, sex, blackout. <laughs> like, it's sort of like very intense. Like This is all in print. This is all in print. And she's saying this for memory, which I think is a fun little bit. Um,
1: Actually, the top comment on the trailer, which I think proves this point over and over, is whoever made this trailer should win an award. I've watched it no less than 50 times, each time getting chills. <laughs> and the trailer has almost 40
0: million views. Oh my God. Which is a lot. That's for a trailer? For a trailer? A trailer for a film, like... Unbelievable! I mean, think about it. You get paid. What do you get?
1: Paid? What's the what's the YouTube turnaround ratio? It's like I think five thousand dollars for every a hundred thousand views. Can I just wow. click that? Somebody is really somebody's. No, they the YouTube influencers are the richest in the world, of course. YouTube payout per view. Oh my god! Can I tell you? Yeah, you get eighteen dollars for every a thousand ad views. What? That's um, not bad. That's I feel like not bad.
0: Wow. Yeah, you it's quite a lot of money. Okay, everyone. You know what to do. Hit up Emma Make Chamberlain. Make a YouTube page. And I mean, that trailer's worth a rewatch. I highly recommend you do. I will. I actually think I want to go back and watch now. We'll do it. We'll do it when this is over. And then basically all of this brings us to a hotel in the West Village. Taffy writes, a corner booth. Him fingering his aviators on the table in front of us where he is willing to tell me a lot about his movie, where he's willing to share the same set of facts about its making and he sh- that he shared with many, many, many other reporters. But he's not willing to go much further. He doesn't like my questions about the particular inspiration for certain details in the movie. He doesn't like questions about his personal life and how it might relate to the big, sexy music movie I'd just seen. These were typical interview questions. I wanted to talk about Mr. Cooper's own sobriety and how it was reflected in Jackson's drug and alcohol addiction. I wanted to talk about fatherhood, how Mr. Cooper has both lost his father and become a father in the last few years, since fathers haunt the movie. I want to talk about love, but he wasn't having it. Listen, he said to me, he gets that I'm just doing my job, but he's not going to get personal with me. He has to promote his movie. But beyond that, what would telling me anything truly personal really do? I don't necessarily see the upside of it, you know?
1: I don't. So I'm in two minds about this, which I... kind of touched on with you briefly before we started recording. I think there is a real dance always between journalists and subjects. Oftentimes they really don't want to tell you anything. Sometimes you get a rare person who is kind of like one of us. It's like, oh my God, let's get into it. Like I'm ready to go. Like let me (laughs) off the leash. But I do understand not wanting to get that real and not seeing this kind of opportunity and platform that you're being afforded in the New York Times as an excuse
0: to lay out all your trauma from the past 20 years. It does feel especially with him being a true A-lister in a similar way to Beyoncé of like I don't need to do all that.
1: Yeah, thank you so you're much. Gonna, are gonna you're going you're going to see, gonna see, the, see movie. the
0: movie. Yeah, you're going to see the movie. I don't I actually don't need to tease like my divorce or my anything in this way to make press. Press yeah. has already been made.
1: But what's interesting and what is such a different way in in this profile specifically is that if Kim Kardashian or Beyonce are doing the interview and they don't want to get personal, they'll reroute the question.
0: They'll of course. have a publicist
1: step in. They'll say, like, thank you so much. Can we skip that one? He's literally addressing it head on, like, hey, I don't want to talk about it. And um, this is why I don't want to talk about it. And please don't ask me anything else.
0: OK, cool. Deal. Yeah, like, got it. And I think that she sort of valiantly tries to explain why he should talk about it. People want to know, I tell him. People want a deeper sense of where the movie came from. He wanted to show a piece of himself in the movie. This is an extension of that, I told him. It's different, he said. This is because you're creating content but it's your story. I told him, but you're doing it. He said, I'm going to write your story. I said, I won't have any control. And it really isn't a collaboration. And
1: she's like, no, no, you will have collaboration because I'm asking you questions that you answer. And that is your input. That's your collaboration. And he's like, sure, but it's still all through your lens. Like you're contextualizing my words, which means that you get to offer the setup and I simply fit in to your narrative. Yeah. You tell the story. I'm a character in that story. Has anyone ever skipped a question with you? Mm, no, I don't think so. I've had publicists be like, we're going to jump over that one. Yeah. But, but the only person who skipped a question was Addison Ray, actually. And she was what was the question fresh out of the womb like she wasn't yeah she wasn't Addison Rae we know today she was just becoming TikTok famous it was 2020 mm-hmm. it was about body shaming she'd been body shamed a lot online yeah and she was only 19 and I just said kind of like how do you navigate that and she said pass I was like, okay, all right, all right, <laughs> got it. Yeah, which was really crazy because I'd never had talent pass. And yeah. I also think questions like that, which, I mean, are a little bit meaty, but like ultimately softballs, you can really just be like, you know – I just like turn off my phone and I touch grass and then
0: I'm back. I'm, you know? Yeah. I set up for you to be like, everyone is beautiful.
1: Yeah. But it was clear that she was very new to the game. And I think she'd been media trained in a way that a publicist had been like, and if you, if there's anything that you really feel like is too personal, just say
0: we're skipping that. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Totally. (laughs) And it's interesting because Bradley Cooper sort of at the get go was like, we're skipping all of that. Yeah, we're skipping We're skipping all of that. I will not be telling you about this. And what is so funny is that she comes back with,
1: okay, but you can't do this to me. Yeah. You cannot do this to me. And he's like, no, but I am. And, and they have a full back and forth debate
0: over how much he should share with her. And this is very interesting to be talking about this profile because it is sort of a profile about profiles. It becomes that. You sort of address the elephant in the room. You break the fourth wall. And while a lot of profiles try to sort of pass themselves off as, oh, we just ran into each other and spent a day in New York together. (laughs) This is like, no, I tried to write a profile about Bradley Cooper and Bradley Cooper did not want to participate in the profile. Yeah. It's like to even say the word profile in a profile. Everyone's like, (gasps)
1: Yeah, oh my god. What?
0: what? Like, like it's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. It is. Yeah. She's did a little like straight to camera moment and was like, "Okay, so here's what I'm working with."
1: Yeah, and I think that's interesting because usually the concept of a journalist sitting down with talent is that the reader or the audience member gets to spend a day with them vicariously, right? The journalist is the everyman and the reader gets to imagine what it would be like to have a double espresso with Bradley Cooper. But coming off like a a Katie Weaver profile who did the Kim Kardashian GQ interview that obviously went very viral and she laid everything on the table, like not a single thing was off limits. We were trying to think of how these two differ, that obviously A-list of the A-list there's so much there to unpack and it's like how much are they willing to share whatever Mm -hmm. the difference is obviously that kim kardashian's business is being kim kardashian that she has a job and that is to be vulnerable and transparent otherwise people aren't going to tune into the show next season and bradley cooper plays characters on screen he doesn't play like bradley cooper but taffy really comes in it from that perspective of like I'm a mom in New Jersey. I'm here representing all the moms, all the tabloid readers, everyone who is obsessed with you. And the public. I, the public. Yeah. And I'm asking them the questions
0: that they, I'm asking you the questions that they want to know. And I know that because I am one of them. Yes. And she, she's talked about how her presence is disarming often. And it's why she's been able to be so successful in these rooms where she's like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm just here to learn about you. For sure. And it did not work here.
1: No. And interestingly, Katie is more like a, we're friends, we're gals gabbing, like tell me everything, you know, like let's, and, and that is how she reads when she's conducting an interview. So it's a two, it's a very different perspective because Taffy is kind of already breaking the fourth wall. Like she's yeah. not coming into it under the guise of like, we're best friends and let's, let's catch up. It's like, I have a job to do. And we are both here with separate roles and we have to show up and fulfill that contract to create something in this moment.
0: Completely. And Taffy's also not afraid to push. Mm-hmm. Um, When I. So fucking
1: scary. Yeah. When I, I saw would her, never do it.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. When I saw her speak, she talks about how she never accepts the first offer when it comes to, okay, you can profile Gwyneth Paltrow, which is another incredible, incredible profile we will do at some point. You can profile her, but all we can do is lunch. You guys can have lunch together, and that's, like, access-wise. And Taffy is, like, every single time, no matter what, I'm like, can I come back to your house with you after lunch? And it's usually this moment where the publicist is too far to step in, and Gwyneth was like, yeah, sure. And then she came back. She ended up having dinner with her, and, like, all of the color and texture of the profile comes from that, like, pushing of, like, Well, I know that you've said this is off limits, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best. And then beauty comes from that. So it's really a lesson in process, too, in that way.
1: Yeah. And I think Sam Leach, one of our other interviewees, talked about Alison P. Davis, another famous writer who did the Meghan Markle profile. Alison is one to be like, can I come in the car with you after we leave this, like, establishment? I don't know why... I think I have so much deference for publicists and I feel already on the back foot coming to do this interview like I don't I've never felt in a real position of power as a journalist in the way that I think a taffy does totally like she's kind of like impressed me like dance for me whereas I'm kind of like I'm so sorry you have to do this isn't press the worst okay let's get into it yeah I never ever push if anything it's for like an extra 15 minutes on the call you know yeah and and I think that's why I'm really seeing both sides because for so much of my career I've had to make something out of nothing like I've had to weave together a patchwork quilt from scraps of fabric Mm -hmm. in terms of what the interview has turned out to be. And I'm kind of like, isn't that the job to be given literally nothing and try and turn it around into a a cohesive story?
0: I think it is a part of the job. I think also it's a special circumstance when you're interviewing a A list star about a huge movie that's coming out in the paper for, of record for, for a prestigious outlet. Yeah, it's like okay. In that case, to be given nothing, you really are like okay. Totally. So this is, this actually has weight to it. This is weighty. People will read this because this is a huge cultural moment, and you are the man responsible. Like mm. you need to give me something. And he does a little bit at times, but. Basically what she gets from him, which like this whole everything I've read thus far reads almost as a preface. And then we get into the part that feels like a traditional profile where she like gets into like he grew up loved in Philadelphia in a house full of music. Tom Waits and Bob Seeker and Billy Joel. uh, His father was a stockbroker. His mother worked at NBC. He had a bedroom full of Phillies and Eagles banners and a ton of toys. It's like, okay, this is like normally how the profile would start. And everything that comes before this prefaces that this is all I could get. Yeah.
1: She doesn't want the audience to come into it with expectations of
0: uh, a Gwyneth deep dive. Like he's going to reveal the nature of his divorce. Exactly. Exactly. And all of this stuff that she does like get is stuff that's available on Wikipedia. This is also, it's clear that he has a spiel of the things he's willing to talk about. And then everything else is, he's good. You're not seeing the, you know, the big Brad Pitt, my divorce broke me into a thousand pieces and I don't know how I am as a father kind of vibe. That's a GQ profile we have to do. I know. A Q&A, yeah. which we've avoided for so long. I and know. Now we've broken into the realm with John Mayer. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, which actually funny story about John Mayer. Taffy was photographed on the street with him. She was profiling him or something. Something was happening and she was photographed on the street and the daily mail ended up running the pictures as like john Marisine with miss new mystery woman and she was like my god when was this this was in the 2000s like 2017 or something whatever it was like hilarious oh my god also these roses smell so good they just hit me like a ton of bricks just wafting they're gorgeous they're gorgeous i'm glad yeah so yeah we get into basically everything that i told you of like he went to acting school he saw the elephant man His beloved mentor, Elizabeth Kemp, who actually A Star is Born is dedicated to, which is very sweet, kind of changed his career and gave him direction when he needed it most. He moved to LA in the 2000s to work on Alias, which was J.J. Abrams' show, and uh, basically just like threw himself into acting, became an actor outright. And really, really, it's like every quote is about how to know him you just need to know his work it's not really about knowing him and if you watch the movie you'll learn everything you need to know which is fascinating cuz he is
1: such an interesting guy and yeah. the fact he was cast as a jock so many times i mean he speaks fluent french he's I got know. an apartment in paris he was he's a recovering addict like he's very very bright there's so much there to know and yet they kind of don't get into any of it. She does compare him to his character in Limitless, which I do. Have you seen? Oh my god, yes, I have seen. Yeah, he takes right. a pill and yeah. becomes like a hyper version of himself.
0: <gasps> exactly, like like me when I've had one PSL cold brew. Uh,
1: like efficient, intelligent, and then kind of starts falling off a cliff. That's the premise of Limitless. But he is kind of that guy. We. Is so likable. He's clearly in this upper echelon of Hollywood. He's friends with literally everyone, but is also like so so bright.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at this moment in his career, he's done Oscar-nominated movies and won. He just did American Sniper, which everyone and their mother watched in this country, and now he's like, I'm ready. She says. He talks about 5% faster than my personal processing speed. He wore a long chain around his necks, and the things that were hung on it were his late father's wedding ring, a cooking talisman that he wore in burnt, Jackson's ring, and a little flower that his partner, the Russian supermodel Irina Sheik, gave him. He wore a stand-up to cancer shirt that I could barely see in the glare of his irises, which are the blue of a swimming pool and a tropical vacation brochure. Do you know that they photoshopped the blue to make it bluer do you know that they do that to fill you with longing i loved that line yeah me too it's like she's had to parse who he is through clues like literal detective clues of like i see he's wearing this like i'll ask him what's on his necklace and like at least then we can see like okay here's where his partner enters the mix here's where his late dad enters the mix which is a very smart route so smart. so what does your bracelet mean yeah (laughs)
1: that That tattoo of a butterfly is that what is that
0: (laughs) and then we kind of get into a little bit more of like a star is born background and this is where we learn Beyonce was once attached and he was hesitant to take it on at 36 he didn't think he could play weathered and then there came a point and this is sort of the most personal that it gets the way that he knew he was ready to take on this role was actually after his father passed away and Taffy writes, it was after his father passed away, he went home to take care of him, and Taffy writes, Mr. Cooper had been caring for him in the year before leaving for Thailand for filming The Hangover Part 2, and now it looked like it was the end. He went home, took his father to an Eagles game, and two weeks later, he held him in his arms when he took his last breath. When he told me that, his arms were in the formation they had been when his father last lay in them. Right then, he looked down where his father had been and then back up at me. In that moment, everything changed for him. It's a new reality, he said. Everything, everything. It's not even one thing. It's a whole new world. And it was instantaneous. It wasn't like months after. It was like his last exhale and I was holding him. And it was like, everything's changed. If that isn't an
1: advertisement for having kids, I don't know what is. I know. Someone to hold you as you take your last breath. I know. Yeah. It's heavy, heavy stuff. it, It
0: really is. My God. My God, and and at this at that point, like a huge personal moment. Which, like, to his credit, that was a very personal moment. He just described. I know that's very I'm very like, intimate. What is, what's she talking about? Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, he's holding his hands in the formation he held his dying father. Yeah, what more
0: could you want? Which he said, like, I'm not going to talk about. It seems like at the beginning of like, I'm not going to get into my family. I'm not going to talk about my sobriety. So this is something. It's like something, something here, and. He signed on to do The Elephant Man on Broadway after that. And in 2015, he finally felt ready to take on Jackson Maine. He looked in the mirror and saw it. Honestly, he said, I could see it on my face. I just felt it. So he pitched A Star Is Born. He found Lady Gaga performing Livy Rose at a cancer institute. He said she was plutonium. She would be the thing that his movie had that no other movie had. And this is when we kind of describe... Their first meeting, this like beautiful moment in Malibu that they shared together, and how close they got. They spent months preparing, Taffy writes, and building their relationship, building heat and connection together. When I spoke on the phone with Lady Gaga, she referred to a scene in which Jackson and Allie get into a fight while she's taking a bath. He's drunk and calls her ugly. A soft spot for her character. And as anyone who's followed Gaga's career knows herself, the moment isn't in the script and her devastation is real. We left a space for there to be both love and hurt at the same time, she told me.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I have chills. <laughs> chills. You were improving a scene and someone's like... You're ugly. You're ugly also. The way the director's just like... Keep that in there. That feels real.
0: He's the director. He's the director. He's the director. So yeah, he would say keep that. (laughs) And of course, that's the take that made it into the final shot. Oh my God. Uh, Yeah, he loved it, I'm sure. And her shock was clear. And you should watch that scene again, because the devastation plays all over her face. Well, they say also it's like the, what is it? Drunk thoughts are. Drunk mind speaks to other thoughts. But this is scarier because it's like, are you improving honesty or just cruelty? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's just so hard on the
1: salt it here. is ugly yeah, i know like they never switched off if you watch their oscars performance as well it was jackson main and ally up there yeah they, ne- they absolutely there's
0: no wink to the audience no they're like we're in character yeah it
1: wasn't just a rendition it was like it no. wasn't lady gaga and bradley cooper performing the songs they'd written for a star is born it was a weird live action take on the movie
0: that's exactly what it was it was <laughs> It was A stars Born on Ice. <laughs> it was. And I mean, authenticity keeps coming up in this profile because it's why he cast Lady Gaga. It's why he does everything he does. He wanted this movie to be authentic, an authentic portrayal of him and his life, which is why he actually learned how to play guitar. He learned how to sing. He did all of these things, basically became a musician, played Glastonbury, played stagecoach, played shows at the Greek in L.A. All of those things are real. It was real and authentic. And he wanted it to feel like life in some way and like his life. But he's made this movie about a man, a man struggling with substance use, a man struggling in general. And when Taffy has the gall to ask him, Oh, maybe can you tell me more about your personal struggle? You know, was he inspired by any specific relationship? Was he thinking anything specific in that final devastating scene? And she writes, these are the questions that annoy him. Do I really want to know about his love life? Do I really want to know what specific things he was thinking in that scene? Do I really want to know about his sobriety and the events that led to it? Uh, yes, I said. I suggested that people like to know the artist behind the art. My job hinges on this notion. He thinks that's silly. And hard to refute that because what does one say? There's some
1: real naivete there from him to think that he's not going to be able to walk into an interview with a journalist who, if he'd done his research, and we don't know if he had, is famous for these type of like gut-wrenching, like extract the truth by any means necessary type pieces. So it's this weird thing where she's like, I have to do this story. I'm famous for coming back with a good story. Her quote is, coming back with a good story is my thing she actively says I was dismayed and he can see she was dismayed, which is crazy because also dropping the veil to that degree with a subject in the sense of being like, oh, God done. Can't you just give me anything instead of just, you know, I know, we would be like, well, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing. I, I had the best time. I know. So to actively appear disappointed is such a, choice vaguely manipulative no matter how genuine she may have been because then he really does say like people ask me questions all the time but like how much can you really know about me by spending this couple hours together like at the end of the day it would take days or weeks spent to know me and then distill me
0: for like public consumption right Which is true. And he sort of points out that there is no one-to-one correlation of events in his life and events in the movie. There's no one-to-one correlation of emotions either in the parts that are specific. Like, that's for him to know which ones are, which ones aren't, which ones are pulled from his real life, which ones are completely made up. Okay, I feel the same way about, not to
1: divert, but just a little bit. Uh, Like, I think we've talked about this before, maybe, but like, Ozempic <laughs> your face was just like, what are you doing? Where are you going? Like, how much transparency do stars owe us? And I think this kind of comes back to the same notion, but it's like, inner work. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, how much work did you get done to deliver this masterpiece? Like he's unwilling to show her like his stitches. He won't. Wow. What a deep little metaphor. True. You know, he's he's unwilling to like put out in the open how the sausage was actually made to get this like Oscar winning film that he created,
0: which is so much more normal. I'm realizing in the world of fiction, like fiction authors obviously pull from real life and it is always a question with a buzzy novel you know where did the inspiration come from is any of this based on your real life and I'll fiction, question to each other every week <laughs> exactly what is this inspired by what yeah. are you inspired by but for fiction authors that are often not celebrities in their own right nobody's pushing that hard and nobody believes that they have access fiction writers in general are like I'm not going to answer that at all you will not know what parts of this is real what parts are me what parts are not me in fact it's insulting that you think any of this is me even (laughs) though some of it is
1: i think that stephanie meyer could have really benefited from a little bit of push and pull and psychological discovery when it comes to the masochist sadist concept of Of valor and edward there's a lot also to be discovered about like oneself in these interviews and it could be actually any kind of interview it could be a job interview you learn a lot by unpacking unraveling your source material, your process—you learn about you a lot about yourself, and it's, I think he's missing out in this moment because she's a very observant lady, and she would probably come away with some very astute opinions about how he is the maestro—no pun intended—that he now is. You know,
0: absolutely. And her tactic for getting around this is actually to listen to him and what he told her literally, which is watch the movie. That's, yeah. that's how you'll get to know me. And if you have any questions about the movie, here's my number. And call me anytime to ask me questions about the movie. So she does. And this is what she comes away with. A Star is Born is a portrait of self-destruction. It's a story of love between two superstars and the codependence that festers between them. It's about being cruel to people you love. It's about the lure of the drunken haze. Jackson is the agent of his own ruin. I saw the movie again, and then I reread my transcript, and this time I understood. This movie is about all the things above, but mostly it's about the way that commerce interferes with art, how people who aren't artists pretend to know what art is, and how an artist has to protect himself from what the machine asks of him. Meaning that, in its own way, it's also about this profile. And then we enter the Matrix, sort of, where... Totally, dude. It's a profile about a profile. It's a profile about art and commerce and how they mingle. It's a profile about being profiled. It's a profile about profiles. And it
1: could not be weirder because the subject matter, the reason why we're sitting here is for a movie about the entertainment industry. It's so, it's way, 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 way too meta. And like, I don't know if that was kind of intentional from her in the end with her spin, but it truly is like masterful the way that she's made. And then there's not even a real acknowledgement of the meta of it all.
0: She presents it and lets it hang and then kind of walks away. I think the veil drops in that moment that you pulled out exactly, where she's like, hey, are you aware that I actually have to write a story about this? No, it is the breaking of the fourth wall. And then it's like, I'm talking to you now, <laughs> the audience. And from that moment, everything changes, where her perspective too, it's clear there's a breakthrough that we're watching happen on a page, where she's like, okay, I know what to do now. It's to take the movie and actually use it as a text and become... More of like a critic than a profiler. And not a critic as in like critical, but just like I'm looking at this piece of art and I'm analyzing it. And if there's one thing we hate, it's using the project that people are promoting.
1: promoting. (laughs) All we want to do is show up and be like, Okay, so we're here for this movie. So tell me about your relationship with Arena. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: I want the behind the scenes. I want Give the, behind the behind the scenes. The scenes. Yeah. Paint, I, that's a question I ask all the time. Like, paint me a picture of what was going on in your life. We love the music video, but behind the music is so much more compelling ultimately. Exactly. And this is it. It's like now all she has is the music video. And so it becomes almost like a little tete a tete where she talks about what he told her and how she took it, which is when he told her, The stories that exist in this story, it comes from a very deep personal place. And that's the only way I know how to communicate with many people. Avoidance. Yeah. He's avoiding something. I don't know who Martin Scorsese is as a human being, but I don't actually want to know. And I feel that his movies feel very, very personal and they affect me. And my hunch is that he's working out of a very personal place. She took that as a rebuke for wanting information. (laughs) And... In the end, the big aha is that he wasn't rebuking her. He wasn't avoiding her. She writes, he definitely wasn't apologizing to me. He was just telling me that I'm asking the wrong questions. He could tell me about his sobriety. He could tell me about what his father's death meant. But that's just information. If you really want to know him, you can't sit with him and ask. You have to watch his movie. Jumping up to his reference of Scorsese. It's
1: like... Mm -hmm. Okay, Bradley, but you're not Scorsese. Like, I'm not lying awake at night reading page six for a mention of Scorsese and a mystery brunette. No. Like, <laughs> it's true. Mostly because he's not front facing. End, I was
0: certain you were going to say it's mostly because he's not hot. No, <laughs> I was I was 100% certain. I was
1: actually going to go in that direction just to say yeah. that front-facing people who are beautiful people are of endless fascination to us. We're excited to see them thrive. We're excited to see them fall. That is instinctive human nature. And he is delusional or I don't know what to compare himself to someone, to an OTR, right? Like Martin Scorsese, who rarely graces the tabloids and to be like I don't know who he is but like I don't need to know and it's like but at the end of the day Bradley like we don't know who you are because you play characters on screen and so we want to know and building out that narrative of you is going to make you more likable more watchable I'm going to want to buy a ticket to the movie like it is the whole package these days like we are buying into the whole package of an of an artist I mean, that's why cancel culture is as effective as it is, right? Because as soon as you hear something that you don't like about someone or bad behavior, it makes you not want to invest in their product anymore.
0: Yeah, and reevaluate their art where it's like... For sure. Now to look at the way that Woody Allen writes women, it's like, oh, definitely something to consider. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Definitely something to consider. Like,
1: I love Chris Brown's music. Can I listen to it wholeheartedly? Absolutely not. Like, it's tough. Yeah. And his idea of wanting to separate the art and the artist that is clearly like so persistent here is I think not realistic in many ways, but she on the other foot. I really do agree with him in the sense of like, he doesn't owe her anything in this interview. And she is the Midwestern mom asking for the autograph for her daughter. And he's like, actually not now I'm, I'm not on right now, but mm-hmm. you buy a ticket to my movie, then you'll see me be on.
0: Yeah. And in some way I think, it is such a delicate balance that both are treated fairly here, both perspectives in that Bradley Cooper does not respect a celebrity profile at all. (laughs) Taffy lives for them, writes them their, her work. And I think the thesis comes now in the end of the piece where she really like gets down to the heart of it. She writes, though it is consistently pronounced dead, The celebrity profile, when done well, is a real tool for understanding ourselves and the world we occupy. It accomplishes exactly what it was that Mr. Cooper set out to do with the movie. Some people are forthcoming, some aren't. Look carefully, though, the people who aren't telling their own particular story with their reticence. Like I said, coming back with the story is our thing. Interestingly, and like,
1: obviously, this doesn't translate uh, audibly, is the word via
0: audio via, <laughs> sure, yeah
1: yeah, we'll go with that via audio but she's actually hyperlinked everything she's hyperlinked when done well she's hyperlinked the world we occupy every every sentence of what you just said with some of the greatest celebrity profiles of all time among some that we've done here yeah among them we have covered the justin bieber gq katie weaver profile the britney spears vanessa gregoriadis right around profile for rolling stone she is saying that these incredible standalone pieces of art, which are entirely focused on one human being, like laser in on one person, helps us understand humanity as a whole.
0: Yeah. And, and what else can you contribute more than that? It's meaningful work. And people are drawn to celebrity profiles. Us writing our diaries. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, meaningful it's meaningful work. work. It's, it's meaningful work. It's meaningful work. work. <laughs> it matters. It matters. It matters. <laughs> And she says that people read these stories, celebrity profiles, for the same reason that they go to the movies, because they're curious about how a person shows up in a performance or a script or a shot. They read them so that they can find themselves in somebody else's story and feel a little less lonely in the world. I'm thinking of so many that we've read where the person has inspired us deeply. Their story of where they came from, how they made it. It's something that even though you and I are not trying to be actors... We can still look and say, wow, there is so much determination, there's so much grit, there's something interesting, there's humor, there's something about this person that that draws me in and I'm and I've learned something from this.
1: Yeah, and I don't think everyone can do it. No. And it's remarkable to read about the people who can. Because it is like a vicious, violent existence, I feel like. You never have a moment's rest. And like, it's so interesting to hear about the people who've weathered the storm and are still able to be vulnerable enough in a public forum to storytell. She talks about the fact that his vulnerability is his choice, much like Jackson Maine's vulnerability, when and where and the context in which he feels most comfortable being vulnerable comes down to what he decides yeah and that was symbolized for jackson Maine one so with his answer. hat coming on the second he left the stage he was like i dropped the guard for you guys and now as soon as i walk off i am back to being the impenetrable rock star and bradley cooper does the same he answers her questions he continues the press tour he attends the premiere at this point his hat is back on mm-hmm. and
0: he's on his way the guard is back up the veil has been lifted again
1: yeah the veil has been reinstalled it's pretty beautiful work man it is it is really beautiful work, and it makes you think and it's it's not as obvious as some of her other work i mean some of her profiles are so incredibly famous because they were so meaty she just got the most incredible pullouts and i loved the introspection of this Mm -hmm. where she was like okay what am i here for what are you here for what does our contract lay out for us and how are we both going to show up and fulfill our roles without disappointing one another how can we make this real yeah and she did so good it's interesting this follows like another new york times profile on bradley cooper that was very like tussled hair emerald green eyes he pulls off his motorcycle helmet and what a well-built man yeah (laughs) but the headline and the big take was also don't take this hunk at face value Mm -hmm. which i find so interesting because he is i think so much more intellectual than people would probably give him credit for he looks like a chad he does yeah
0: (laughs) but i think it'd be a fun night out oh i think it'd be such i think it'd be very interesting i think our demographic Might be 50 plus men. I think we'd kill. I think we'd
1: kill in that room. That's where we thrive. (laughs) It's so true. Poker night with the boys. We hope. (laughs) We
0: hope it comes to us. And if you're listening, Brad, we'll take you out. Brad Lee doesn't go by Brad. No, of course not. Because there's
1: already one big Brad in the game. That's true. There's no room for two Brads. Not a chance in hell he could go by Brad. I know. My God. That was so brave of Gwyneth to end up with a Brad after dating me, Brad. True.
0: Confidence. (laughs) He'll get you everywhere. (laughs) And on that note. Yeah. My God, have a great night, everyone. (laughs) Have a great night. Whatever time you're listening to this. No, I mean, with this, we need to take
1: a moment and say happy birthday to you. (laughs) I'm so grateful, frankly, that you were born September 9th. 8th. (laughs) 8th. I've lost track of my days. September 8th. 1997. Six. Six. It's close. It's all close. 1996. It has been an honor and a privilege to know you, to learn from you, to love you. And I think we are all in agreement. And when I say we, I mean me and collectively the Argos that life wouldn't be the same without you. And thank you for being you in every way, shape or form and showing up for us every day. (sighs) We appreciate you. Happy birthday, baby. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all. (laughs) Okay. We'll see you next week. Bye.